Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. 2004 was a tumultuous time in American history. President George W. Bush was running for re-election against Democratic nominee John Kerry. Usher's Yeah! was running at 12 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 list. And God's gift to this earth, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight was published. Truly an exciting time to be alive. But it is not 2004 anymore. In fact, it is... 2020 and we're reading twilight my name is sarah i am em oh welcome back are you excited to get going i uh never been more excited for anything in my life do i sound believable (laughs) not really no Oh my gosh! Did you like? Uh, did you like? I have the, to try harder. <laughs> did you like the history I slapped you with? I certainly feel more educated. <laughs> I'm struggling to. Re- when you said "ushers," yeah, I was like, that sounds vaguely familiar, and I feel like I heard that song multiple times in my youth during my times at the roll arena in my emo <laughs> days. But I, uh, I I just can't quite pl- put my finger on it. <laughs> well, I don't want any of Usher's representatives to come at me because if I were to sing it for you, it would be way too faithful to the original. So, unfortunately, you're just going to have to look it up on your own time. I can do the beatboxing if you like. <laughs> All right. So, this week we are coming back and we are going to do chapters, hopefully, chapters 6 through 10 of twilight Um, i believe in us do you believe in us i think that we can get it done if we if we do our best and we stay on topic last week we got real adhd throughout i I literally took my adhd meds this time (laughs) okay good i i I don't i can't afford them anyway so (laughs) (laughs) i have good insurance because my mommy pays for it (laughs) (laughs) okay so um Gosh, where did we leave off? What happened at the end of chapter five? Did things happen the first five chapters of the book? (laughs) Has there been story progression? Contrary to popular belief, uh, there were, in fact, words and actions on those pages. Seems like a strong way to put it. Was chapter five the one where she, like, sat with him at lunch? (gasps) Oh, no! He dropped her (gasps) off. It was the one where he dropped her off. That's the one where he uh, dragged her. After she passed out. Yeah, he manhandled her out to the parking, or out to his car in the parking lot after she nearly passed out from seeing blood. God. All right. As you do. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess we should just jump right into it. Uh, Chapter six has... Chapter six is... We're getting closer to the point where the story actually picks up a little bit. But chapter six... Um, had some very beautiful imagery in it. So I think we should jump in. Yeah, so we uh, it starts with an overview of Bella's day at school on Friday, and she's getting many comments and questions about having sat with Ed at lunch. And uh, some folks are getting a little bitchy about it, particularly Lauren. Is Lauren her name? Lauren, yeah. Lauren. Lauren's being a bit of a cunt. And uh, Oh my God. <laughs> 
about uh, her befriending Ed, but Mike comes in like a hero and is like, Bella's my friend. Bella sits with us. Stop being a big fat bitch. And, Mike is uh, best boy, truly. Then Bella, we get that night at Bella goes home and they have dinner and Bella asks Charlie about Mount Rainier where Ed is going hiking. And we find out it has lots of bears, which makes it bad for camping. Yeah, bad for camping. Great for... Hunting uh, bears. Hunting bears. <laughs> hunting uh, and draining the blood out of bears. But we don't know that at this point, so I'm it's saying It's so that, obvious! Well, Why yeah, is she not understanding? Like, in the, we'll get to that. But in the story, like technically we don't know. So this is just further supporting my theory from last time that Ed is, in fact, a werebear. Uh, and that is why they go to the land of the bears. <laughs> so in the world where you, for some reason, did not read the back of the book before starting, so you don't know that Edward is a vampire, you believe that he is a werebear. Yes. Okay. Obviously. <laughs> okay. The obvious conclusion. Also, I just want to say, uh, when you look at the situation with Bella sitting with him at lunch... From an outside perspective, he saved her life. Like, most of the people around don't have any idea what's going on between her and him in the first five chapters. They don't know anything about the weird dynamic. Uh, so, all they really know is Ed is a Cullen, and he saved her life. And they're like, wow, she sat with Ed. Why is she even a part of It's like, he literally kept her from dying. <laughs> That's true. I. It's so funny. These people, like, they act like they were caught having public sex instead of just, like, sitting next to each other at lunch. They really... <laughs> With the same I... amount of, like, disgust and anger about it as well, not just the, like, surprise. They are acting weirder about it than they acted about the fact that all of these foster siblings live together and have sex with each other, so... Oh I'm like, Smire, you don't have to artificially create conflict between characters. If you just write them, they'll have their conflicts. Like, there's later when Jessica is, like, freaking out. And she's like, oh, my God, you, like, had dinner with Edward. That's believable. Like, her yes, being... that makes like, sense. I feel like that's the reaction that, that, like, the girls... I mean, Lauren doesn't like her. We find out later why Lauren doesn't like her. But, like... I feel like that's the reaction they should be having. Like, the boys might be a little bit like, oh, of course she wants to go sit with Edward Cullen. Oh, he's so hot. Oh, I want to suck his dick. But, and then the girls... <laughs> Do you then... ever feel a little gay around <laughs> Cullen? <laughs> Dude, I feel gay all the damn time. Anyway, so the girls... <laughs> the girls, I bro, feel like, should be like... Bro, you want to suck each other's dicks, bro? <laughs> <laughs> the girls, I feel like it would be so much more rational for them to just be like... Oh my god, like she sat with Edward. Oh my god, are they like gonna date or are they gonna go to the dance together? That's so exciting. Like, I don't understand why they're so mad. It's weird. I hate it because it like it keeps progressing. It get like it happens more and more in the next few chapters, and it's just so petty teen girl conflict generic bullshit without an explanation for you at the start of it even and it's yeah. i hate it i hate it it's petty teen girl bullshit that is not realistic to teen girls 
No. Like, I feel like I feel like that's because, why it's like the generic. It's like what you yeah. think of when you think of a poorly written like high school drama. Anyway, enough about them bitching about Bella sitting with Edward. The next day, they go to the beach, and there is more teen girl drama. Some of the others like obviously don't like Bella. They're gossiping. They're being mean, um, and. Then Stephanie Meyer graces us with some of the most beautiful imagery I have ever read in my life. And it's not like lingering. It doesn't go on too long. She actually just gives us a really, really beautiful scene. And I have to wonder how she can write something like that and also write the terrible plot and dialogue that surrounds those few paragraphs. I literally said there is an entire page describing the scenery of the beach when they're coming up on it. And it's just an amazing break from the actual story. Not a joke. Like, I got to it. I read it. I finished reading the description and got back into the story. And I was like, oh, that was nice. That was... Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's so weird to see because I feel like dialogue, personally, just as a human being, dialogue is easier to write than, like just like picturesque imagery so i don't understand how she like got those two flipped other than no it should be more difficult to make the scenery compelling not that it's difficult necessarily to write about it just that it should be difficult to make it a compelling read the only thing i can think is that stephanie meyer was a stay-at-home mom while she was writing twilight and so maybe because she had spent so much time around toddlers she forgot how to have a convincing human conversation (laughs) that's why she that's why there's no good reason for people's emotions in this book is toddlers just randomly cry at dumb shit and get happy because you gave them a spork yeah yeah and then they get mad if they grab a fork stab someone with it and you take it away and you're like well you hurt someone with it and they're like my fork anyway i worked with children for too long uh so they go they go to the beach and uh after our nice scenic description, they start hopping into activities. They play with some uh, driftwood fire, and it's all blue and sparkly because of the salt. Uh, and then they break into groups. Bella joins the hiking group because all the bitches be in the other group. <laughs> uh, and they go to look at the tide pools. And uh, then they go back, and once they get back to the beach, we meet Jacob. Jacob! So, during this during this scene, number one... Oh, I, I did skip one thing. Uh, when they're, like, heading to the beach, they're going to head out. Bella agrees to ride with Mike in his car. And he gets super excited about it. And she says it was so easy to make Mike happy. And up until this point in the book, like, that is one of the most rant- romantic lines. And not yes! in the, like it's super feely on her part, but just because of the image it shows where it's like, this is somebody that cares about somebody else so much that just getting to ride in the same car as them is like makes their day. And that there's, it's just so sweet and everything else around it is just so bad. (laughs) It's, it's like, it's so nice because it shows that she like actually knows 
Mike as a person because she like agrees to sit with him and then he's like oh yay and she's like awesome like I'm glad you know he's happy and it's like it's so interesting to see that she actually has like a human dynamic with him other than just being like weirdly attracted to this creepy brooding boy Uh, it's, just, it's so good it's so nice I, I i don't know mike is so good every time he's in the book i'm like you know what mike i get you <laughs> if this wasn't a book and this was just a person's life it would be so nice to see her just be with mike yes and that be the end of it because like it's like they have a genuine relationship and things are pleasant when they're around each other and it would just be like okay things are done good day but obviously that would make a terrible story so you had a note here about when bella is hanging out with mike but she just has edward on her mind Uh, you literally just wrote fuck off (laughs) (laughs) yep and she also just figured out how time functions uh because she talks about how time moves really fast whenever she's with edward but it's really slow the rest of the time. And I'm like, yeah, that's how like anticipation and the flow yeah. of time works for humans. Especially what when... the fuck did you do in your life before <laughs> that you haven't experienced this? Especially because she's so deeply obsessed with Edward that it becomes like so all consuming that like every minute she's not with him, she just wishes she was. So it's like, yeah, of course, every other minute of your day is moving slowly because all you can think about is how much you want to go hang out with your monster boyfriend, which like, I get it. Imagine never having experienced that feeling before, though. And it's just like, wow. How do you get to 17 and never experience that? And not even just like speaking about infatuation or lover, just like in general, never having something that you look forward to enough that the time (laughs) spent doing that thing goes faster than the time spent waiting or thinking about doing that thing. Like, you've never had that happen. You've never been like, Christmas is coming. (laughs) Man, time is passing so slow. I mean, given how chaotic her life was with her mom, I mean, what is there to look forward to? Another almost burnt down house? Like, (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bella, we're running away again. (laughs) This time we're going to live with the the gypsies. (laughs) I really want to talk about Jacob. Yes. I forgot how young he was. I, okay, I had a problem with that for a reason, but we'll get into that in a few minutes. (laughs) So I forgot because, um, and this is just a a minor jump ahead, but in New Moon, it starts around her birthday in September, but then she has her whole like depression blackout where she literally is like in a coma for six months because she's so sad. And then Jacob turns 16 and high key. I think that Stephanie Meyer did that just because she knew it was fucking weird to have an 18 year old girl possibly have romantic attraction to a 15 year old boy. So that's not the part that bothered me so much. Because it's like, realistically, they're still both high schoolers. And so, true. like, I've seen That's it. True. It's that he see the way he reacts to her in the scene based on how she plays off of it makes it seem less like he's an inexperienced 15 year old boy and more like he's 
a an experienced 13-year-old boy who an older girl is flirting with. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I get it's definitely probably because she's just like such a different person cuz the I don't I don't know if they go into it in this book, but when they talk later and this is just a horrible reality of Native Americans living in this country, but the reservation is really small. So he probably knows everybody who lives there. It's like even smaller than Forks. It's like Forks is tiny and everybody knows everybody, but the reservation is even tinier because they've, you know, their population has dwindled so much over the years after plagues and stuff that we brought for them as gifts. Um, Have some smallpox blankets. <laughs> um, but so I mean, it's probably a big part of it is he's just like, oh, this girl from off the reservation is like talking to me and like she's different. She's not someone that I see every single day. Not that the girls on the reservation aren't probably really hot. Because later they describe Leah Clearwater, and all I can think is, oh my god, it's another girl I want Bella to run away with. How appropriate. <laughs> Off the reservation sounds like a cringy, western-style, Native American <laughs> romance novel that you would get from, like, a $1 bookstore. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying that's probably what Stephanie Meyer had in mind, okay? Please, I, please do not cons- misconstrue... Um, Stephanie Meyer's ignorant, borderline bigoted viewpoints with my own, okay? Oh, Myers. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think she means it. I really don't think she means it. But that's definitely how it comes across. So, she meets Jacob, kind of, uh, at the campfire, but they yeah. technically would have known, they knew each other before because of him being Billy Black's kid uh but he was younger uh yeah surprise (laughs) jacob black is billy black's uh kid surprise uh or his grandkid i i honestly don't know every native american person in this story has like the most stereotypical native american surnames that i've ever heard in my entire life (laughs) we got black we've got clearwater i don't remember the others but i remember always thinking like this this seems a little okay. It's like uh, <laughs> Korean people with the name Win, last name Win. <laughs> uh, it's like you write a book all about Koreans, and just every character is named Win. <laughs> it's okay. I'm writing a book about Japanese characters, and every single one of them has the surname Uzumaki, and you can't oh tell, you can't tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, um. But so while they're talking with the res kids, uh, Sam, some Lauren tries to get snotty about Edward not joining them to get under Bella's skin. And Sam mentions uh, Sam being one of the older reservation kids that came mentions that the Cullens aren't. I almost said aren't welcome, but that's not what he says. They he says they don't come to the reservation and Bella interprets that as they're not welcome for some reason and picks up on that. Yeah. Well, I imagine so, it was much, much like she said, uh, like, or like Lauren was like, oh, like, isn't he coming? And Sam goes like, oh, the Cullen's kids? And they're like, yeah. And I imagine he said it similarly to like, they don't come here. Yeah. Like, I, I don't expect that it's uh, Bella's immense <laughs> intellect and intuition that resulted in her. It's not that she's her. just miraculously perceptive. He's really obvious about it. Just like everyone else in this book. <laughs> yeah. Where's, what subtlety? I don't know what subtlety is. But uh, Belly, 
belly. <laughs> Bella uses her womanly wiles uh, to lure Jacob off and get some information out of him about uh, what Sam said. And he tells her the old legend on their reservation about uh, his tribe and their run-in with the Cold Ones many generations ago. And the Cold Ones were the Cullens. And they've sprouted new members out of the ground like trees. Uh, But there's a truce between the Cold Ones and his people, the Wolf People. uh, That as long as the Cullens don't come on their land, nothing will happen because the Cullens are peaceful cold ones and don't want to hurt humans. And, uh, what are the cold ones you ask? Well, they're vampires. They're (laughs) vampires. Cause Bella fucking Bella has to ask at the end of his story after explaining everything about the cold ones, what they are. And, has to be told that it's vampires and i'm like he just there's no reason you wouldn't have already interpreted that yeah as being what vampires. is wrong with you you she it's it's the schrodinger's bell curve striking again <laughs> bella is both perceptive and intelligent and dumb as a goddamn rock at the same time until you look at her and ask her a question. Because you could say, hey, Bella, what's two plus two? And she might say orange, but she also might say four. You don't know. You never know with Bella, uh, with Bella Swan what she's going to she, say. I, I, the I was, further in we go, the more frustrated I get with the inconsistencies. <laughs> that scene bothered me even more specifically because Jacob Black kept referring to random things like he would say um the the wolf man in our tribe which granted i'll give that to to jacob because he says you would call them werewolves and i'll give that because that's very like close to his culture the idea of the the wolf man and stuff like that Well, yeah because like there's things like skinwalkers and other things within native american cultures so How it's like wild it... would it be if edward had been a skinwalker the entire time oh god <laughs> but like yeah there's a there's a lot of different native american legends especially to do with humans and animals and the interconnected so it's like there it makes more sense in that case to specify then when he's like oh we call them the cold ones they're blood drinkers you might call them vampires it's i don't know it's like they she's trying to create this cultural disconnect between bella and jacob that just in modern times, it, there is there is definitely a cultural disconnect because there's a very rich culture amongst Native American people. But they are also, like, aware of and, like, connected to the rest They're normal of American people. society. They're, They're normal, normal people. people still. <laughs> you don't have to treat them like, oh, they come from this different land. First of all, they came from this land. We took it from them. <laughs> So, like, the idea... We're not getting into political revisionism. Okay, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll get into it later. But the the idea that he's like, oh, you would call them vampires. Jacob, bitch, you would also call them vampires. I mean, you might call them the cold ones around tribal elders or even just around other members of your tribe. But, like, the idea that you would be like, oh, you you might call them 
vampires it's just i don't know it's so it's so cringy because he could have just been like yeah the cold ones they're like vampires like it would be so easy for him to just be, to just equate it to the other thing since this is clearly it's a tribal the, story it's not what he says it's the way he says it's it. the way he says it like if he had been like oh the wolf people oh they're kind of like werewolves like, you get it? Just, like, using it as a descriptor rather than acting like he's from Russia and and so he doesn't speak the same language that Bella speaks. He Let speaks me tell English. you the story my babushka told me. <laughs> he probably speaks multiple languages. <laughs> One of them is English. I don't know. I just, I hated it. I hated the way that he's, like, treated. It's like they're tr- they're treating the people on the reservation as societal others rather than just acknowledging that he also lives in the same goddamn society I live in. It's just on a specific part of land. There's also a few other parts in this conversation uh, that I wanted to, to take note of. Number one, uh, they discuss cars and the fact that her truck would do great in a collision. No, it wouldn't! Again! Again! I'm like, no, stop. You did it once. Just drop it. Just drop it. But I don't want to hear this he again. He also mentions Rebecca, who was... Uh, like his, cl- it, she has a few siblings. Rebecca is one of his sisters that Bella would see uh, when she was with Charlie, and they would go to the reservation. And Rebecca moved to Hawaii. Be like Rebecca. Do it. Move to Hawaii. Take Mike Newton and move to Hawaii. Or and Alice. Just, or Alice. Ooh. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Hawaii enchiladas and Alice Cullen. The dream. <laughs> But uh, at the end of it all, she we get her like thinking about how she feels bad for using Jacob for information and flirting with him. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you should feel bad. Like, that was a super dick move. Yeah, it was awful. Like, you, you legit, like, there are stories where women use their influence over men sexually or romantically uh for their personal gain but it's it works when the people they're using their influence over are bad people or when they're using it for a good cause like an overall good cause this is bella manipulating an innocent bystander to get information on a guy she's interested in and that's just fucked up (laughs) Yeah, it's really messed up. Because Jacob is such a sweet boy. Like, I remember, because I, I was Team Jacob, hardcore back in the day. Obviously, I am Team Mike now. But um, <laughs> when I remember being, like, so hardcore on the Jacob bandwagon. And then when, in, oh, we'll get into it when we read New Moon. Because that's Jacob's book. That's where you actually get to, like, be with he is Jacob. He mm. Yeah, basically. Um and you get to like really see his character and stuff, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and uh, I just—he was done so dirty. He was done so dirty of anyone in these books. And you've already heard me yell about it once, and I'll yell about yep. it later. But we'll, we'll get to that when the story gets to that. I have to um, see. Um, hold on. What are you looking up? I'm trying to see what page. Jacob calls them vampires. 
Okay, it's page 126. 126 is the first time we see the word vampire anywhere in Twilight. I noted that because uh, my I have like kind of I took a note over all of the chapter and basically it this scene is happening way too late into the book. This yeah. book is sold on the fact that it's a vampire romance. Mm-hmm. The romance has been severely lacking oh, thus yeah. far. And we didn't get an actual introduction of vampires until a fourth of the way through the book. And it's not, that could be acceptable if it was a shorter book. If it was a 200 to 300 page book, a quarter of the way through the book isn't that much. Yeah. When it's a 500 page book, that's a lot of the book you have to get through to get to that part. It's so taxing to have to get this far into the book before you get to what the book is about. And I get that Stephanie Meyer didn't want to jump the shark and like get too quickly into the vampire shit. But the back of the book, the second line in those iconic words is first is Edward was a vampire. <laughs> Like, and and we still don't know. Like, she still doesn't know. She still hasn't confronted him and isn't sure that he's a vampire yet. We have, so, spoiler alert, we have read up to chapter, uh, we've read up to chapter 16. So, uh, by now, and we're getting ready to record all of that. And that's page 333. That's the day after they have their first date. Yep. Out in the meadow. 333. Over halfway through the book. Oh my god, pacing is not Stephanie Meyer's friend. And as I said, she she has this is the biggest indicator so far in the book. Like we've talked about her inability to like consolidate concepts and scenes, but this is the biggest indicator that she has no idea how to manage what pacing and what content is necessary because this setup would be fine if the vampire part, if this was sold as a romance book and the vampire part was a mystery from the yeah, outset. Yeah, if, if you didn't and we got, know that Edward was a vampire from the second line on the back of the book. And we got to follow along in that discovery because then it's, a, we're right there with Bella trying to figure out what's happening. It's interesting for us as readers, but instead we know what's coming and it's not, it's not like it's, some kind of dramatic irony or foreshadowing being is just annoying. It is. It is. If we like, yeah, I totally agree that if, if it hadn't been marketed on being about vampires, it would be, a, it would be like if you were reading interview with a vampire, one of the greatest vampire novels ever written, I'm probably going to go back and read it after we finish reading Twilight. Um, if you read interview with a vampire, like I think the first mention of the word vampire is page one. Like they talk about, be he talks about him being a vampire on the first page and the rest of it is just the history of his life. If you haven't read Interview with a Vampire, oh my God, please read it. It's, if you really love Twilight, um, this is a great way to make you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> read, read a good vampire book. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway. So let's that, get into chapter seven. Yeah, let's do chapter seven. Um, the next, the, we're slowly getting to the point where the chapters become more consolidated and we actually have like cohesive scenes. So I'm excited for great. to move forward with that. There's so much that happened in that chapter. 
oh yeah <laughs> but just, like nothing there was like, so much and nothing <laughs> there's so much to pick apart when you view these scenes as being tiny disjointed scenes um yeah. so i'm sorry that it takes us so long to get through these chapters but because stephanie meyer has written so many small individual scenes it just makes it so hard to just like gloss over everything that's going on because you have like eight chapters within one single chapter with as many like random sh- scenes that she writes and the sad part is, so like i write these summaries for the scenes like up until this point uh our good friend sarah does <laughs> them for later chapters but i'm way more i brief. am <laughs> active well and it's easier too. like they, it's easier to summarize those scenes because there's they're more consolidated like you said True. but I am actually going through and cutting out bits of the chapter that I see as being pointless to the overall story. And they're still this long. Like, I am cutting out information. (laughs) It's bad. We didn't even talk about the eels and their racing stripes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Racing stripes. She said the eels had racing stripes. Just just leave it alone. She's not a marine biologist. Uh, and she never will be. <laughs> oh my gosh. So at the beginning of chapter seven, Bella goes home and she does a very stereotypical angsty emo teenager thing. And she puts on her headphones and she blares some loud ass music just so that she doesn't have to think about the fact that Edward is a hundred percent a vampire. Is that how that works though? Like if you just listen to loud music, it just makes you stop because that's not how it works for me. This is going to sound really old of me. It just gives me a migraine. I can't. No, seriously. I, I... So you and I both get migraines. So yes. same. Yeah. And it's like, I used to, I listen, I still listen to music louder than uh, some of the older people in my life would prefer, but I can't like blast music the way I would when I was like maybe 13. Um, and, but I've never been able to drown out my own thoughts by listening to music, listening to really depressing, uh, political commentary podcasts. I have somehow been able to drown out my own thoughts, but it always comes back around. That, as let's say, that doesn't just lead to existential dread. No, it, it actually piles on more existential dread. You see, I'm trying to replace my personal existential dread with fear for our country and the world at large. Anyway, so she listens to music, and at first she's like, this sucks, because it's, like, heavy metal or whatever, which is... What? Is it heavy metal? Because she describes it as, like, is this heavy metal, or is this, like, hard rock, or is this some, like... I think it's, like, like... punk, like, punk and metal, (laughs) like, kind of jammed together. She Like, I don't think Stephanie Meyer has ever listened to metal music, so... So she listens to loud music. She's at first really insulting because she's apparently 87 and a half years old and has never listened to metal music in her life. But then she's like, no, oh, this is kind of sick. So she reverts to not being 87 and a half years old and suddenly being a teenager again. She's uh, Benjamin buttoning her music taste. And so she has a dream. She's having a lot of dreams. She has a dream about Edward like trying to like coax her toward him and he's finger waggling her out of the forest (laughs) and he like looks villainous and evil and jacob turns into a wolf which is totally not foreshadowing at all and then mike is behind her and he's like calling out to her and she wait does mike matter (laughs) 
No, it's just he's in the background and he's like, Bella, wait, I literally run forgot. Away. She, I forgot he was in the dream. Yeah, he's in the dream. He's telling her to run away because he's best boy. And then uh, she's like worried for Edward because Jacob turns into a wolf and is like going to attack him. And Edward's like coaxing her into the woods. And all I can think is, oh, my God, Bella, how are you not dead? How are you so dumb that you see a man coaxing you into the woods looking like a Final Fantasy villain and everyone around you is like, don't go near him. And she's just like, I guess I'll die. Are you telling me if Sephiroth stood at the edge of the cliff (laughs) coaxing you forward, you wouldn't walk off? I would, but we're not talking about my preferences here, okay? (laughs) I can tell you if Tifa did it for me, I'd walk off. (laughs) (laughs) I actually saw a picture the other day. It was not quite exactly that, but it was Cloud and Sephiroth looking towards the camera. And there was like a sunset behind them and they were like standing off a cliff. And all I could think was I'd jump off that cliff. (laughs) (laughs) Final Fantasy VII Remake is a great game. If you haven't played it, go play it. (laughs) Oh my, and we'll get into this later. Bella shares my same uh, weird, aggressive uh, desires because every time she's like so close to Edward and he's like, I could kill you. All she can think is, ooh, please. (laughs) Yeah, I touch on this later too. (laughs) Anyway, so she listens to the music and oddly enough, it does not drown out her thoughts. She does fall asleep. Has the dream. I don't know. So she has the dream and then she wakes up and she gets on the computer. (laughs) This was my favorite part. I was waiting for this part because I remembered vaguely about this. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm hoping that the actual thing in the book makes more sense than my memory seems to indicate it does. But So I was eight years old. I was eight years old in 2004, and I will admit, we never had dial-up internet, so I we always had, like, an Ethernet uh, connection uh, through the phone line, okay? Well, actually, I guess if it was through the phone line, it would have been... It was not dial-up. We never had dial-up internet. I don't know what it was. I'm not going to claim to be knowledgeable, but we didn't have dial-up. We just had regular whatever internet. I still remember experiencing dial-up when I was, like, four or five, well, so... Well, my grandparents had dial-up. In, like, the early to mid-2000s. I don't know what we had, but it wasn't... I don't think... I really don't think we had dial-up. Or maybe my parents just never used the phone, so I never had to... I never had to worry Well, when you got on the computer, did you... Like, when you started up the internet, did you have to do the, like... No. No, I didn't. I don't know what I don't know what we had. We did not have dial-up. But anyway, so... But when you open, and at the time... This is 2004. So when you open up Internet Explorer, she never specifies what she uses, but she she opens it up and she goes downstairs because it takes forever for it to connect. And that I will believe because it is dial up and I am aware that it just takes forever for it to connect. So she goes downstairs to eat like some food or whatever and then comes back upstairs because it is finally loaded. And she says there are so many pop ups on her screen that she has to like go through and meticulously close all of them i i didn't realize this was a horror novel up until this point (laughs) i have never i'm gonna be honest aside from 
when I was younger and I would like pirate music off of like shady YouTube download sites, I never experienced pop-ups because when you would open Internet Explorer and you would be on the Google homepage, why are there so many pop-ups? What search I want to know what Charlie was using this computer for <laughs> for the past yeah. 17 years. So it's just like infested with viruses because he's been downloading like nudie pics from playboyhotpics.com. And the, it, it for some oh, reason... he has very, very innocent desires. <laughs> I was expecting that to go somewhere else. So... <laughs> Well, it's it's Charlie, so he's like kind of old fashioned. So he can't he doesn't know like that porn websites exist. So he I, only uses the swimsuit editions. <laughs> so like he can only think like, oh, where's a place that I can get like hot pictures of women? Um, Playboy has them. So he like goes to like some bootleg Playboy website and downloads these pictures and infests his daughter's computer with virus after virus so that whenever she opens up the capital I internet and goes to her capital F favorite search engine, it pops up. We need to, okay, yeah, uh, let's address that. So the music, she didn't name the band. Yeah. The internet browser she didn't name and the search engine she didn't name now is this a copyright thing or is this a stephanie trying to like avoid using things that didn't that weren't gonna make sense in the future but then she still referenced dial-up <laughs> yeah so the only thing i can think is um it's actually a kind of rookie mistake for um authors when they're writing books to think that they can't name anything by name um so like there are plenty of authors out there who will um like always call advil or what they won't they won't say advil they'll always say headache medicine or they won't name like specific movies. They'll just say, oh, we went to go see the latest horror movie or whatever. Because they think that they can't because they'll get like hit with like a copyright strike or whatever. Yeah, you I can... don't think that's the case. It's not. It's not. So the only time that anyone would ever come at you for uh, it's 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 all part of like free journalism, free speech and all and all that stuff. It all it all comes in together. The only time you're going to get hit with any kind of copyright issue is if you are being um, inflammatory about something. So if you're like, oh, Advil killed my grandmother tweet or whatever, that's when you're going to see an issue with Advil coming at you. So if she Or if said, you like released a book that was a shot by shot rewrite of the newest horror movie. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's when you're going to see an issue. You can name whatever you want. And I was thinking yeah, about use. it. And so I was like, because she na they named Claude Debussy, um, who Debussy I don't remember I don't know how to pronounce his name because uh, the composer who wrote Claire de Lune, and the yeah. only reason I can think that she would name that, but then she nothing thinks it's else, public uh, because yeah, because he he died in 1918, all right. So Claire de Lune, what year? I don't know what year Claire de Lune was written, but it's definitely public domain. Yeah. Because after 100 years, it becomes public domain. Hello, Disney. Hello, Dumbo. So um, they, 
It's actually 80 years. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Um, so after 80 years, things become public domain if you haven't re-upped your copyright on them, right? So Claire de Lune is definitely public domain. So that's probably the only reason that she actually listed Claire de Lune. And if I had to guess, that's probably why Bella is so into classical music. That's also... Okay, I didn't go that far, but those assumptions up until Bella's reasoning for her uh, tastes were basically my assumptions as well. And it's kind of weird to me because especially that, because I, this, like you said, newer writers do it. And this isn't the first time I've seen it happen either. We live in, she's talking about using a search engine. Of course, if she uses search the same, with the same level of skill that Bella does, I wouldn't be surprised that she didn't find it out. But like, yeah, if I was right, the book I'm working on has nothing to do with our world. So it's not something I need to worry about. But like, if I was going to, write a book like that and i was worried that i couldn't use names of things i would just google it yeah and then i would would write about how i googled it because you can just say that you googled it it's okay and the thing is the thing is and i think at the time yahoo was still a pretty uh prevalent uh search engine in like 2004 ish so even if she had been like i hopped on yahoo and started searching for vampire stuff we would still be like okay 2004 that's fine who cares? It's just the fact that she's like, oh, I booted up the capital I internet and then went to my capital F favorite search engine and started searching for vampires. I went to my A email. No, AOL? No. A email. <laughs> yeah. I Oh, she never names what email service she uses, which nope. is fine. I don't, I, that I don't really care. Like, oh, I shot my mom an email. She doesn't need to give us Bella's email address. That's fine. I mean, it's just funnier when you take it in context of her avoiding everything else too. Yeah. She never she never names brand names. And even when she does, she does it in such a vague way. Like when they're talking about Rosalie's car and he's like, it's an M3. And she's like, I don't speak car or whatever. He's like, it's a BMW. And then they just like keep going. So Bella like specifically doesn't know anything about cars, even though Edward is like really into cars. Edward and his whole family are really into cars, which is fun because it's like she wants it to be flashy, but then she's also still trying to avoid naming brand names. I think she gets out of that by New Moon. Because in New Moon, Moon, uh, Alice uh, drives away from the airport in Italy in a Porsche 911 Turbo in Canary Yellow. And boy... Howdy! Was that a beautiful scene for me? Anyway, uh, enough about the brand names because we talked about that for too long. Um, this is, might I say, uh, with the with the dream sequence, the first scene uh, in which we are learning within the book that supernatural things are most definitely at work here aside from the whole edward saving her thing and so bella has these dreams going on along with it uh and it's going to come into play over the next few chapters but this is definitely where a mystery should start surrounding Bella as well not being normal yeah I so Bella is like spoiler alert Bella's not clairvoyant but she also is clairvoyant yeah like she definitely has some kind of psychical abilities but she doesn't psychical yes psychical so does she like is uh, do you mean psychic or cyclical or are they cyclical psychic abilities they come and go psychical is a word is it (laughs) It is. There is an entire society for psychical research. So 
this will get more and more prevalent as time goes on because she has way more dreams. Like, she just keeps dreaming. But she definitely, like, there's something going on there. Uh, but And we can get into all of that later. My favorite thing about this section right here is where Bella talks about the fact that she has incredible trouble finding information on vampires online that is all um like matches each other like she can't every single article she finds apparently has like different descriptors for vampires and none of them are the same which is absolutely well they're all on the same page too like she doesn't go to like different sites she's just like i this is the site so so i'm gonna read this this one part um so it said, uh, overall, though, there was little that coincided with Jacob's stories or my own observations. I'd made a little catalog in my head as I read and carefully compared it with each myth. Speed, strength, beauty, pale skin, eyes that shift color, and then Jacob's criteria. Blood drinkers, enemies of the werewolf, cold skinned, and immortal. There were very few myths that matched even one factor. What part of any of that is unique to this story. This book was published almost 20 years ago. 16, I will respect the fact that it is one of the things that set off the teen vampire romance genre. However, this is not even close to the beginning of the vampire romance genre or the vampire genre at all and almost all of the tropes that are used in this book like the werewolf vampire rivalry thing being the biggest of them that she says doesn't exist it's so prevalent within the mythos that I just it's aside from (laughs) whether or not teens reading this would know any vampire lore going in which they probably would I'm guessing I don't think that I, I don't know. I, I, I knew about vampires much better than she did before. Ever exactly. As a, as a child. And this wasn't, and it's, I guess if you come into this never reading any kind of horror before, it might, which this is not horror. Let me be clear. This is what made me love horror because I thought it was horrific. Um, but so what gets me is that she's looking on a website specifically curated with vampire myths and for some reason none of them have any of this coinciding information that just doesn't make any sense it's like but they have a lot of really obscure information that most people don't consider relevant either so it's like i'm willing (laughs) i'm willing to take a moment and separate this book and say that even though it seems like Stephanie Meyer is writing a book that could in theory take place in our world because the idea of vampires and stuff is kept so secret, um, it's got to be an alternate universe because she's creating... That's something I thought from the start. Yeah, she's creating vampire lore in here that is so similar to previous vampire lore about them being immortals, drinking blood, being pale and sta- like uh, cold and, and fast and strong, but acting like no one else has ever heard of this before. I feel like it's completely reasonable to do that. 
But the problem is the only aspect that she changed is the inclusion of these mythical beings into our world. And then the fact that there's not much known about them to the general public. And which I I kind of want to question later too, for reasons, but we'll get to that. Um, But this is, that's kind of the setup you need to put out of the story and like on the back cover where you say like set in a world where vampires aren't a pop culture well-known cultural pop yeah because yeah. if you otherwise it's assumed that it's the same world we live in yeah. and it doesn't make sense anymore buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> was in its sixth season when this book came out and I know Stephanie Meyer probably didn't watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but like, how do you live in a world with Buffy actively on television and the spinoff Angel also in like season four or something like that? And somehow nobody around you would write about vampires. It's just, I don't know. It was, it was, that was. Nobody addressed. We never addressed this. Why do we never address It was, that. This? this was such a particularly infuriating detail that I texted you about it while I was reading it. Because I was so confused and angered by the, because like, I, but she's like, so she, she later, what gets me, ooh, what gets me is later, she's like, oh, so can you go out in the sunlight? Will you burn up in the sunlight? Will you turn into a bat? So there is reliable stories about vampires on the internet, and she has seen films with vampires in them, but somehow, none of the rest and of that it was, is adding up. I was up. saying, I was going to get to the rest of it later because there's more stuff that makes it not make sense as an alternate universe and that's like that's part of it is like she's just throwing out the most common myths and ed's just like it's a myth it's a myth so it's like okay so these you're recognizing that these are common things that people know (laughs) we're recognizing that vampires aren't something that is super foreign and unheard of for people Anyway, God, we got to let go of that. Um, We'll get back to it later, though. So Bella then, after having a freak attack and realizing that Edward is definitely a vampire, goes out and sits in the woods. And then she's like, okay, he's a vampire. But whatever. No, no. Don't don't mislead. She goes out to the woods and since they're arguing with herself over whether or not he could be a vampire and if vampires are even real and if that's possible and how else he would have saved her the way he did if he wasn't a vampire. And I was like, look, in another situation, I would respect this level of skepticism. If you had always displayed this level of skepticism... (laughs) About everything. And we had that set up as a character trait. Okay. If you remained skeptical about it for an unreasonably long time, even against overwhelming evidence, then okay, I'll buy it. Because at that point, it's like a refusal to accept the fact more than actual skepticism. But here it's just like weird that she's so unwilling to accept it when it fits for no real reason 
So, during this scene, you made a note that I just read that I really like, where you mentioned that because Bella, you mentioned that Bella is very tempted by Ed. Yes. And then you also mentioned that Bella is fatalistic, which we've already talked about. And then you said perhaps murderous blood fiend really is a plus for her. And while yes. <laughs> while that is a joke, it's also just true. Like yes. I ta- I said this earlier, but like Bella really is like every time Edward is like I could hurt you, she's basically just like do it. <laughs> like she wants she wants this danger in her life. I mean, literally in the second book, she jumps off a cliff because she misses him so much. To- I was going to say, because uh, I was thinking about it a lot after a little bit later, because I was like, there's a lot of confusion for me over why they like each other, obviously. And I think there's a lot of confusion all around as to why they like each other. And the only thing that makes Ed seem like he's more appealing to her is that he's dangerous yeah. because otherwise I don't understand why she wouldn't be at all interested in any other person ever, except for the level of danger Ed presents. But up until this point, we don't see that she she's interested in danger. She's not a risk taker. She likes feeling safe and normal. So it's weird that she all of a sudden wants this level of danger. But then I remembered, I actually remembered from the second book when she started trying to do crazy adrenaline rush shit. But, and I was like, well, maybe it really is a love for danger that she develops. But then again, she's doing that because she wants, she like sees Edward. Yeah, she hallucinates Edward whenever she does something crazy. So I'm still not convinced that like she actually gets off on the thrill i don't think she gets off on the thrill i think genuinely that she is very fatalistic and that she just like living close to death and being so violently aware of how easy it would be for him to kill her it it makes her feel a way that nothing else does and so she like it's it's really she's just drawn to it. I can't even explain it because it's a concerning it character flaw. It's it's so weird because when you're young and you're reading this, you're like, oh, they're just drawn to each other because fates, you know, strings have have pulled them together. But as an adult, you read it and you're like, I actually understand because from listening to her thoughts, I know why she's drawn to him. She's drawn to him because there is a part of her that fears that he's going to do something bad to her, and there's a part of her that wants her to, wants him to. And she I part of my concern for the relationship overall is if that's the case that's kind of the main line of attraction and commonality there so when that fades what is going to be keeping her there so what is going to make her want to 
day. Something you pointed out in a later chapter uh, when the, Be- Edward is like interrogating her and like throwing like a ton of questions at her. And you're like, oh, we could have actually learned something about Bella. It really highlights the fact that building actual chemistry between these two characters is not something that Stephanie Meyer um, does very well. So, like, giving us reasons for them to get along and saying that they have talked a lot and, like, have really gotten to know each other is easy when you don't actually have to say it. You can just be like, oh, I told him everything about myself. The second book actually... Yeah, when she just cut it off... Yeah. I was extremely disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. The second book actually picks up uh, after summer vacation has gone by and they're in the new school year and stuff. So then it's also a matter of like, oh, well, now they've also been together for like three or four extra months between when we last saw them. So, of course, it's believable that they're in this relationship. They've had all that time to like get to know each other and be together and like actually like each other, even though we didn't actually get to see it. So we don't have a believable reason to know that they completely misses the point of romance yes it does we'll we'll get to that more when we get to it though yeah so yeah she she thinks a lot about ed being vampire decides uh she doesn't care but she also realizes she doesn't feel the right kind of fear yeah because she does she is scared but it's not for the right reasons uh and i get it yeah because of how romanticized and sexualized vampires are. Uh, so I do understand it on that front. But on the other hand, it's not that it's a vampire. It's that it's Ed. Yeah. And he's, and he's terrifying. he's really fucking scary. Yeah, he's horrifying. <laughs> he, does, he hasn't even gotten to the scariest part of his character yet. Which he doesn't even no. get to until after their little meadow date. And so I, like, just everything leading up to now... It's not about him being a vampire, Bella. That's not the terrifying thing about him. It's just who he is as a person that is terrifying. <laughs> it's the rest. <laughs> oh, gosh. So the following day, uh, it's sunny. Yeah. So, so Bella's like, holy shit, the sun is out. It's time. She says, uh, as she looks out the window, my blood was electric <laughs> In my veins. I get what you were going for, Smyre, but uh, not not the way to say it. Why not um, the warm sun on my face gave me new energy? Something, like, normal. Something that would tell you that, like, I'm really excited and happy because the sun is out. What if, the, what if her electric blood was not in her veins and it was on the floor instead? <laughs> then she would be dying, and Charlie would have a fire hazard to deal with. And Charlie, Charlie does. deserves better. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I want I want Mike and Charlie to run away. Not I, when I say I want them to run away together, I mean I want them to run away as father and son, and like go <laughs> and live a better life. We're gonna take care of each other. <laughs> we all deserve better than this. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you But we find out Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, this detail. That Char- on that note, Charlie ran away with Renee before Bella was born. They were two years older than Bella, so nineteen 
I don't know what they ran away from or why, because we don't know. Fuck you, Smyre, not telling us, but we know they ran away. Yes. Which means that this is a pattern within Renee's life. Yes. That she just runs. And I'm like, you are not qualified. You were less qualified now. To she be ran it's away. It's not that you ran away with just Bella. No, she ran away with Charlie. Then later she ran away with Bella. And now she ran From away Charlie. with Phil from Bella. Anytime she gets dissatisfied with her life, she just leaves. It's insane. I can't, like, the, the worst part is we know now with context that Charlie was able to be talked into running away with her. So then later, when she's dissatisfied with her life in Forks, don't you think she could have just talked him into leaving with her and then none of this shit would have happened? Renee is the Apparently worst Apparently she parent. was done with Charlie as well, and that was why. And now I feel justified in being even more confused about Charlie's hang-up on her. Renee is the worst. She's a terrible person. So... Um, she goes to school and they talk, she talks to Mike about the Macbeth paper. He touches her hair and like puts it behind her ear. Really weird. That was like the first and only time that Mike does something that I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. It's worse knowing that he... Well, granted, this is the scene where she finally convinces him that he should just be with Jessica because she really likes him. And he's... I love that. Because she's like... Mike's just like trying to hang out with her still. And Bella's like, you're a fucking idiot. Jess likes you. Pay attention to her. And he's like, wait, what? It's so it's so realistic to a human teenage male because he's literally like she's throwing herself at him and she asked him to the girls choice dance and Bella's like hey you know Jess likes you and he's like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> and I'm like oh thank god like finally we address this issue and I love Bella just literally threatens him yes and tells him, like, if he ever repeats it, she'll enjoy killing yeah. him. And it's, I'm like, oh, It's actually lovely. really, I, w- I want a book that's just about Mike and Jessica. Because he then takes her on a date. And then later in the week, Bella's like, hey, Mike, uh, Jess told me that she had a great time on Monday. And he's like, oh, fuck yeah. Awesome. And it's like, oh, okay. So you're making actual good progress. You're supposed to, later, Edward. Look at this real relationship happening. I know. Later, in the background. Edward is like, oh, that vile Mike Newton. And I wanted to punch him in his stupid face. I was like, you leave Mike alone. He has a nice human girl friend. And now what we see later on, now that he knows that Jess likes him and he takes a chance on Jess, every interaction he has after that with Bella, I can feel in my bones that it's on a friend level where he's like trying to look out for someone that he cares about as a friend. Yes. And it's so good. It's so good. I don't want to call anything about this book good, but he's good. I also want to touch on the Macbeth portion uh, (gasps) because uh, he asks her what her paper's about. And her paper is topic is is Shakespeare's treatment of women in Macbeth misogynistic. And 
I feel like that could be an alternate title for a podcast that we could be doing, but we're not. <laughs> and it would be a lot more fun than this. <laughs> I feel like that podcast would be a lot more short-winded because we would open and we would say, is the treatment of women in Shakespeare's Macbeth misogynistic? And then there would be a slight pause and then it would just be like, yep. Anyway, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> I would, And I would say, hold on. Yes. But also because, like, his treatment of every character ever is poor. Because, <laughs> like... I think he really didn't like people. Um, no. <laughs> so she later, like, she zones out and she draws angry eyes on her paper. Which, you know, maybe she's not clairvoyant. Maybe she's possessed by a demon. I don't know. What is it with people in drawing eyes? I'm not criticizing, but, like, I honestly... Like, People draw eyes all the time, and I'm. I read a paper about it a few years ago about why people are so drawn to eyes um, on people, uh, and I think as opposed to on the ground, uh, and it's, <laughs> it's it's because we are naturally more uh, likely to find eyes to be beautiful no matter what the rest of a person's face looks like, you look at their eyes and you can still appreciate whether or not they have, like, really beautiful eyes. And well, it's 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 not that. It's, like, the drawing eyes thing. Like, people draw them all the time. Yeah, and, I'm and like, it's because we find them to be so interesting and cool. And it's also just one of the first things. It's, it's a really difficult thing to draw. Eyes are not easy. Eyes and hands, for me, have always been the most difficult things to draw. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you just, you get around and you just doodle a bunch of eyes. So, um, we already talked about Mike touching her hair. Yeah. So they go to lunch is like the next oh, thing. Oh yeah. And Bell, and they, she's so they go to lunch. The Cullens aren't there. She says she is desolated oh my God. desolated because they're gone this girl is the most dramatic bitch oh such a whiny cringy girl and then nothing else that matters actually happens she goes home she tries to get some work done and then she emails her mom and decides to uh go read some jane austen compilations in the backyard and under the sun which I think I would rather be reading a Jane Austen compilation right now. I actually just reread Northanger Abbey recently, and my copy of Emma is staring at me because I've reread Northanger Abbey six times since I picked up that copy of Emma, and I just have never touched Emma it. Emma was a good movie, just saying. Oh, I, I want to see it so bad. It's one of my favorite Austen novels. That's why I only own Northanger Abbey and Emma. Um, but she mentioned... Anyway. I'll give credit where credit is due here. Uh, Meyer mentions or i guess bella mentions the fact that ed is a very common name yeah. amongst the male character or like variations of ed yeah. uh in austin's works and she's like what is it with all these guys from this era having this name That's, and i'm like yeah uh, i see what you're doing i see you <laughs> fun fact my grandfather my late grandfather they're all late it's fine uh his middle name <laughs> His middle name was Edward, and when I found that out after having read Twilight, I was obsessed. I was like, oh my god, I have a real reason to like name my child Edward now, because it's my grandfather's middle name. Uh, 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 
But yeah, it was, hey, it's really... remember the early early two thousands? Hey, when look I... when cable was all you had and you had to watch what they provided because that's what they do after Charlie gets home that night. <laughs> Oh my gosh. They have to watch some like shitty sitcom that neither of them likes because like they want to spend time together, but they have nothing in common other than being clumsy and suicidal. (laughs) (laughs) Bella, what are you, are you writing a suicide note? Yeah. No, I wrote one this morning. (laughs) (gasps) You did? Oh my God, dad. Let's compare our notes. (laughs) Oh my god. We write our S's the same way. (laughs) So she was is that the end of the Yeah, that's just the end. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) She goes to sleep. Um which she I think she uh tells her dad she tells her dad that they're gonna be going shopping. Yeah. For dresses, and then that's that's it. That's it. The next... And so then, chapter eight. <laughs> yeah, in chapter eight, they the Cullens are not at school again. But that's fine. She doesn't care. <laughs> She's totally unaffected. Um, so they go shopping in Port Angeles. And I love the way she says it. Uh, she's like, uh, Jessica drives faster than the chief. So we made it to Port Angeles by four. It's just, it's so cute. Damn that cruiser. I like, there's. And that chief. I, it's so sad to me that Bella has real human relationships that had the Cullens not lived in Forks, she would have been fine. Like. I don't want to read the story, but like. <laughs> but like, it's like, it's not a very good novel. But like, the more I read, no. the more I'm like, if she had just come to Forks, she could have just been friends with Angela, maybe dated Mike or whatever. She probably would have dated Mike, let's be honest. Uh, or she would have just gone to college and not dated anyone. And, oh God, it's just everything. It Would have learned she was a lesbian. Oh my God. Every time, every time. She has a beautiful human interaction with someone. I get so sad because I'm like, this doesn't last. Once Edward is like really in her life, these people just become echoes of the past and she doesn't like talk to them anymore. Even though we have all of this, Smire has dragged her feet so much getting to the vampire stuff. But in doing that, she made me care about these characters that aren't going to matter ever again. so she says that she has an estrogen rush yeah i i'm just what the fuck is that i'm sorry it doesn't exist you might you might get a rush of some other hormone like serotonin because you're excited to spend the evening with your friends but you're not gonna have like a ooh, I'm such a girl because you are. T- <laughs> I walked into the, I got into the car with two other ladies, and my my tits grew one size bigger. <laughs> I became so much more feminine. I don't know. It's it's so. Did my weird. hips just expand? So while they're there, they find oh, out. God. They find they find out why uh, Lauren doesn't like the like uh, Bella, and it's because Tyler has been telling everyone that Bella is gonna take her uh, is gonna take him to the prom. Tyler, stop being 
a fucking creep. What the hell? I know it's it's really frustrating because I don't know why Smyre feels the need to villainize every male in this story that isn't her dad or Edward, but it's like she's trying so hard to make every other dude out in this story to be terrible. But I will say in her attempts to make Mike out to be terrible, she's only made him more endearing. <laughs> She's really bad at making Mike an unlikable character. I know. Character. <laughs> Every time. Like, at this point, it's like, oh, and then Mike strangled my puppy. And I'm going to be like, did it bite him? Uh, actually, it killed his firstborn. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, my God. So, th- you you made this note about uh, Angela buying shoes on sale. And you were like, yeah, uh, when things go on sale, it makes you spend more money. And you are not wrong. <laughs> It's a terrifying reality because you go and you're like, oh, here's this thing I want and it's on sale. And then you end up buying it because it's on sale. But then you find more things that are on sale and then you end up buying those. And at the end, you bought so much stuff that's on sale that you've spent more money than you intended to spend to begin with because you didn't want to lose out on the sale. (laughs) So she she goes off to find a bookstore when they finish up dress shopping and she does uh find a bookstore but she doesn't like it because it looks too uh hippy dippy for her and i will say in the in the it's wooey yeah in the movie uh they corrected this by having her actually go into the bookstore because she's like this will probably have something that i'm looking for (laughs) that's what i was thinking i was like why would that not be the place to go specifically (laughs) she actually goes in there in the movie but you know she doesn't go to the bookstore and then she gets lost and then one of the most infamous scenes in twilight history happens because bella (laughs) is a fucking idiot she is why does she not once she realizes she's going the wrong way just turn around and go back Better yet, why would you wander through a city you don't know, not paying attention to where you're going? Especially if you're as danger prone as a Bella teen is. Girl. Especially, and it's getting and dark not, out. I'm not gonna pull victim blaming here, but like. It's, of course, okay. Come on! Listen, listen. I. Okay. Women should be allowed to walk around at night without having to fear for their lives. This is... Unfortunately, that's not the reality. Unfortunately, that's not the reality we live in. You should be smarter about it. Protect yourself if you can, please. I'm begging you. The other thing is... Still the perpetrator's fault if they do something. Oh, yeah, of course. It's not your fault if you get hurt. The other thing is, this is not just about her getting attacked. She blatantly wanders around and gets lost in a city that she doesn't know rather than turning she around and walking back in the way she came. Everything wrong. Everything wrong. It's like, it's not even just about her getting the possibility of getting attacked walking around at night. She's just lost. And there are a lot of things wrong with being lost, especially in a time before we had cell phones. Well, I there just... were cell phones. She just definitely didn't have one. I can't with her. It's 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 just so stupid. I I don't even want to keep talking about the fact that she wandered off on her own. She gets nope. she gets stalked by some dudes. They almost attack her. Edward pulls up. He gets he's really furious. He saves her. They drive he away. He swings in tire screeching and 
skids around in like a semicircle in his sweet ass mm-hmm. Volvo. And this is the first time I have sympathy for Edward because he, now that we know that he can, now that we officially know that he can read thoughts. Um, no, we don't. We don't? Not yet. He de- They don't get to that until dinner. Oh, okay. Still. But he later, like, just admits that, like, he saw the thoughts that they were having in their heads about Bella. And so he's like, please calm me down. Just say some random shit so that I don't go back there and kill them. And you know what? Same. I That's what I said. I'm like, I, it really upsets me that, to admit that I understand Ed completely in that moment. Yeah. Because... Yeah, sorry, I don't, I'm not, I, I I have difficulty viewing people that would, you know, rape and murder an innocent woman Yeah. walking around as humans. They're, they're not, they're not human. Oh yeah, like, they're creatures. I would also want to go back and kill them. Slithering out of the sewer and they deserve to remain in the sewer. But they go to the so restaurant. So like, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I get it. I totally understand. So they go to the restaurant. And the other girls, they ate without Bella because... What shitty friends. I know. Like, they were waiting for her, and then they ate without her. And I get it, because, again, this is a time before Maybe this is just the time of self, no self. Yeah, so this is like, like... I mean, I guess she'll show up whenever. But, I mean, like, honestly, I'm a little surprised that the police weren't there waiting when they showed up, because the girls were like, hey, our friend was supposed to show up, and she never came. Yeah, so that was my thing, is I was like, I would call the cops, but at the same time, like, is this just because it's pre-cell phone era that you just got used to this kind of thing happening, potentially? I mean, I get it, because it hasn't been that long. Like, it's not too late after they were supposed to be there, because they get there at 6.30, and they were supposed to meet at 6. Which also means okay, that they, yeah, that that they ate way fast. Like, they they got in, were served all of their food, paid, and Unreasonably left. fast. Yeah, that means that they must have sat down before 6. So if she's only 30 minutes late, I can understand not involving the police yet. But, you know, so then they sit, they sit down for dinner, Bella and Edward do. And Bella cannot stop thinking about the fact that these hot, the hot hostess and the hot waitress. Yes. You were glitching. Oh, a lot. Okay. Weird. Uh, 125. Am I good now? And you're freezing again. Hmm. Okay, now I can... Okay, I heard you clearly that time. I heard you make noise. Okay, now you're moving again and making human motions. Okay, do you hear me? Yes. Okay. Well, then I will continue recording. Okay. So, they eat. Bella can't get off... The idea that the waitress and the hostess are super hot. Um, And then Bella confronts... Bella is a lesbian. I know. She truly is. It's getting more and more obvious as time goes on. So Bella admits that she knows about Edward and what he is. And then Ed talks to her about reading minds. And we find out that he was able to find her and has been keeping her safe by 
protect stalking her. Yeah, he's been basically watching her every movement through the eyes of everyone around her. Because as we find out here, he can't read her mind. This is now the second piece to add to the weird things that happen with Bella. Yeah. uh, That should create a mystery surrounding what she is or how she's different from normal humans and just doesn't yeah so she actually (laughs) uh spoiler alert in breaking dawn she has the ability to she's not affected by anyone else's power she's not affected by any abilities of any vampires at all and then in breaking dawn she forms the the ability to make other people immune to this ability and immune to other vampires abilities now I don't know why. I don't remember exactly why. If Stephanie Meyer ever gave a reason. It doesn't make any sense because like in the beginning, Edward was like, oh, you're really hard to read. And Bella was like, no, my mom calls me her open book. I don't understand. What am I supposed to take away from this? Why can't he read her mind? That's the thing is like, this is an under like, it's a justification for the plot that Stephanie wanted to write, but instead it serves as a better plot that I would want to explore as a reader that we just don't. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm now like, I want to read about Bella and her powers and abilities and like what they mean and solving that mystery and doing that research but we just no (laughs) i would have loved if this book had turned around and been that bella was like like the vampires knew about vampires and they thought they knew about all of the supernatural shit in the world and then they find bella and she's like something different and so now they have to investigate and that's where all the danger comes from but that's not the story we get no and like that's that would have been so much so much better and that's what i said is like we or in a world here where we know vampires and werewolves are real now. So we, it's easy to assume that there are other things as well. Yeah. They actually talk about it in breaking Dawn. They talk about the fact that, um, the werewolves that we know are not actual werewolves. They're shapeshifters whose only shape is wolves because their culture is so deeply interwoven uh with the uh i don't know what to describe it the spirit of the wolves versus like werewolves were which are more like man wolves and but those are all in russia yeah that's an actual story point that they are all in russia there there are other things yeah there are that's like so why is Bella not one of those other things? Why didn't we make this a more interesting story? I don't know. What are you doing, Smyers? Why do you just keep dropping these plot points into the story that mean nothing in the end and just leaving them hanging? I don't under This is such uh, a poor ability to read an audience yeah. on her part. So uh. the dinner ends which this whole thing is so I am so conflicted on Edward like this whole book basically because it's like he yes. it's like he wants to be gentle and loving and protective but at the same time he's being 
controlling, which I guess, like, I get that maybe he's not intending. He's not like he's like, I'm doing this because it's bad. It's like he's doing it because he's desperate and doesn't know what else to do. But it's still not good. I I will say that a lot of what happens following this makes me sympathetic to Edward. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But that doesn't mean I find his actions justifiable as a whole. I'm not willing yeah. to excuse the things he does, but I'm able to understand them. Yes. And I don't think they're wrong for the same reasons they would normally be wrong, but that doesn't make them right. Make their effects any worse. Okay. <laughs> um, he does say in this scene near the end of it, uh, that Bella's mind is different. And that's maybe why he can't read it when they're back in the car and about to leave. And I don't understand how, because as reader, like that would be good if we didn't live the entire book inside Bella's yeah. head, but we lived the entire book inside Bella's head. She's normal. She's a normal human. She thinks normal human things for the most part. She does weird shit sometimes, but like, so do, so does everybody. Yeah. For the most part, she's a normal person. So, like, it's really hard for me to buy that line that she's different. Because I'm like, no, she's not. She's just another person. Yeah. Uh, but that's the end of chapter eight. And chapter nine is really short. Uh, I don't actually know if it's short in page count. But it is. Um, it's, it's, it's short in concept. Yeah. And it's actually where we get into. Uh, this is the first taste. Uh, that we have of chapters that are just one thing happening. And oh, it's, it's so good. It's beautiful. So in this chapter, Bella drives, uh, sorry, Edward drives Bella home from Port Angeles at a terrifying speed. He does slow down when she asks him to, only to like 80 miles per hour. But, you know, he does slow down. So, you know, kudos. Uh, but he explains his telepathy and the way it works, how he can hear different voices basically at all times. And then Bella finally, finally confronts Edward about being a vampire. Uh, and he, she's like, hey, I think you're a vampire, but it doesn't matter. Two-fifths the way through the book. What? Two-fifths Two the, the way through, through the, the book. book. Yeah. She's finally like, oh, you're a vampire. And she does it in a way that infuriates Edward because she basically says, I know you're a vampire, but it doesn't matter. It's too late. She says the phrase, it's too late. She is acting like a drug addict, which he actually... Is relevant. Yeah, it is relevant. Later. <laughs> it is relevant later. So he gets her home and it's... This chapter, like, there was a lot of talking. I didn't really have a lot to react to specifically in this chapter. No. Because uh, it's... It was basically just Ed saying things. It, the only thing I said I felt strongly about that was said was Ed was still warning her that he wasn't... It wasn't good for him to, for her to be with him. But he wasn't... Now that, like, the truth was out, he wasn't being a smug dick about yeah, it Yeah, he was just being The way like, he was doing it yeah. was genuine. Like, I am actually concerned about what could happen if you're with me because of what I am. And I'm like... See, if it had been like that from the start, you wouldn't have been an annoying, smug, creepy fuck. Yeah. But no. No, you couldn't do that. But, I mean, if this is the point where... And, like, the Edward sympathizer in me is wanting to say that maybe a lot of his smugness was him trying to cover up that fear. And that, yeah. like... 
that being like if I'm just an asshole and I just like talk over her and whatever maybe she'll get it maybe she'll it'll like get through her thick skull that I'm not a good person to be around but at this point she's like I know what you are and I don't care and he's like okay you know what I am now I don't need to be an asshole to you I can just tell you that I will kill you and she's still just like "Eh, I don't care (laughs) he's like "Eh, yeah why so Bella gets in she lies to Charlie about where she was this is the beginning of the lies well it's not the beginning of the lies but it's the beginning of the lies that she starts to tell Charlie which is really really saddening because he's so good uh but she takes a shower she's like shivering from the cold don't know why uh but then when she gets in bed she says the iconic words about how she is unconditionally and irrevocably in love with edward and we have finally made it to the back of the book (laughs) edward also expresses sympathy for jacob when he finds out (laughs) that uh that bella dug the truth out of him via flirting via flirting and i'm like yep listen bella has to be really hot right like no it's the only way it makes sense she has to be Kristen stewart levels of hot or none of this would make sense so in chapter 10 Edward shows up the next morning to take Bella to school and he offers her his jacket because she left her jacket in Jessica's car. His beige jacket. His beige jacket. His infamous beige jacket. Uh, So then um, he, she puts it on and she smells it. Which now, Mm. (laughs) now I'm like, that's weird. But I remember being a teenage girl. And if a boy gave you his jacket and it smelled like him, it was like the most wonderful thing that you could ever imagine. So you know what? I'm going to give this to Bella. I I will say that as a very sensitive smell person, I can understand to an extent. But at the same time, just the way she does it is creepy and weird. Yeah, they they go to school. Jessica gives Bella her jacket back. But of course, she's like wigging out because Bella just showed up with Edward. And Edward's like, by the way, she's going to ask you a lot of questions. Um, and I remember this being the first time that I was like, ah, when I read it the first time, because uh, he's like, oh, she's going to ask if I'm your secret boyfriend. And Bella was like, what should I tell her? And he's like, you can just tell her that I'm your secret boyfriend. And I remember freaking It'll make out. it easier. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was like, oh, my God, he's her secret boyfriend. Also, Rosalie has a really sick car. <laughs> Yeah, apparently the uh, the nice Volvo is them trying to blend in. It is explicitly stated in the yeah. book. I was like, oh, God. Which, to be fair, we did look at what the Volvo actually looks like. But it stands out still, apparently. It's, it stands out purely because Smyre thinks that everybody in a small town drives a really shitty car. Which I'm not gonna lie, they're more likely to drive a shitty car living but in a really, really small they town. But to be in that town is a little weird. 
Yeah, it's like what what gets me about this whole thing is the more I think about it, the more absolutely bonkers it is that Bella is driving a 40 year old truck. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I, I lived through this time. I was young, but I did live through this time. I know people had normal cars. Yeah. And my husband did drive a 25 year old car for a little while, but it was a piece of shit and we had to fix it constantly. So it's not like it's just something that just keeps going. I don't know. I I don't want to talk too much about about trucks from the 1960s, but like I can't imagine that this thing would still be running with any kind of dependency. Uh dependability, no. I should say. But Billy worked on it, so you know. So, um Edward is really out of touch because he's like, I don't know what you're thinking. And then she's like, I tell you what I'm thinking. And he's like, you edit what you say. I'm like, that's what most people do, Ed. That's uh, yeah. that's normal. He's, again, he's a little out of touch. And I, I, and I will say, I do sympathize here. So I don't really like understand it because I can't read minds. But he can read people's minds. And so he gets everybody's unfiltered personality at all times. So it must be really infuriating for her to just like sit there and really think about what she's going to say and him not knowing if that was the first thing that came to her head. Oh my God. What an impossible character. I know. Also, I love how he's talking about keeping distance still, but he's like, what's the best way to keep distance between us? Tell people we're dating. I think he's pretty much resigned to not keeping any distance between us. But it's them. just like, there's dissonance there between oh, the yeah. things that he's... I'm just like, <laughs> what? He just doesn't know what he wants. And at the end of the scene, he's walking away and he... Because she... He tells her he's waiting to hear what she says to Jessica about her feelings for him. And he just, like, walks away smirking at her over his shoulder, talking about how he's waiting to hear it. And I'm just like, uh, uh, oh, no. Creepy old man. Stop, you century-old vampire man. Oh, my gosh. So in Bella's first class, uh, she sits with Mike, and he asks how her night went. Uh, and he's actually, this is the part where he's like happy to hear about Jessica and, uh, he's excited that she apparently had a really good time with him when they went out to dinner on Monday. Um, and that scene, I just found to be yeah, really she sweet. Did. Yeah. I just found that. Mike scene. delivers. <laughs> they didn't kiss. Remember they still haven't gotten to the first. That's what he stage. says because a good guy doesn't kiss and tell. <laughs> I, yeah. I Mike just, like... thinks about his lovers. Okay. <laughs> It's so sweet. Like, I just love, I love Mike. Uh, so then in Trig, Jessica, of course, ambushes Bella and asks her a ton of questions about what happened with Ed. Um, she's a really supportive friend who is excited that Bella is dating Ed, which I found to be really, really sweet. She was just like, she wasn't jealous at all. She wasn't mean the way everybody else has been. Um, and that was a nice juxtaposition to the fact that everybody else is terrified for Bella's life. When talking about Edward. You're gonna die. So. Um, <laughs> the overwhelming force of his eyes. <laughs> okay. What listen. Bella calls it. That the, she, she mentions. 
what? <laughs> the intensity with which Bella describes Edward, I have to think that there is a physical aura like reverberating off of him everywhere he walks because he's looking at her and it's like she's going to fall over. She later passes out when he kisses her. Oh, don't even give me a start. <laughs> well, and while I, yes, we do see this conversation between them and it's like, oh, look, she's having a nice normal conversation. I'm also sitting there like most of this was unnecessary. This is like two pages worth of conversation that I just don't need. It like it feels like it exists purely so that she could incite the later conversation where Edward is like, you don't love me more than I love you. Like, I. Yeah, but it's like you could have just done that a different way. It's like you had she has ideas that need to be implemented and she just does it badly. Like it would have been it would have been way better if if at some point. Edward was like I love you and Bella was like I love you more and he was like no you don't and then they actually had that conversation if that was necessary if it is necessary I don't know and then it wouldn't involve creepy mind-bending stalking (laughs) oh my gosh the next scene is uh when they have lunch together and Ed buys a bunch of food for Bella And then he explains why he doesn't eat because everything tastes like dirt. And then Bella admits that she once ate dirt on a dare, which, you know what? Yeah, what the... I was like that... So Ed's like, I'm not surprised. And I'm like, why wouldn't you be surprised? How is that in character for Bella to be like, yeah, somebody dared me to eat dirt, so I did... Like, Bella doesn't do what other people... want her to do nor is she the character that's been built up to do stuff just on it like what (laughs) i think it's more because edward is like yeah you'll do something that will harm you in some way and listen i ate dirt on a dare as a child it's not not bella i know but it's not that weird of a thing to do to eat dirt on a dare you're when you're like five years old and someone's like but you won't eat the dirt and you're like i'm strong like a boy and so you eat the dirt Okay, see, I didn't think about her being five and doing it. (laughs) I was thinking, like, old enough that she, like, could consciously make the decision, like, fully grasping what she was doing like yeah I, doing ate, so. I ate dirt on a dare once when did you do that oh like yesterday what <laughs> I, was thinking, I guess i was thinking like 13 12 13 like no, in middle I school mean, and i was dares just like, exist before you're 13 and i i definitely mike logan once dared me to eat dirt and i did i showed that bitch what was what i'm out of touch with children <laughs> <laughs> Um, Never eaten dirt. <laughs> so he eavesdrops on Jessica a little bit, and sh- and he's like, she's picking apart everything I do. She'll talk to you about it later. And it's like he's making fun of her, but shut the fuck up. It's so sweet that she's doing that because like Bella did that for her because they talked about picking apart Mike's sentences to see exactly you know what he means and if he really likes Jessica. And so now Jessica is like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna pick apart everything Edward does and we're gonna see like how much he likes you. And it's a girl thing. Leave her alone. She's being a good friend. Leave her alone. So Bella, he then is mad at Bella again. Surprise, surprise. He's always mad at her because she thinks she likes him more than he likes her, but she has no evidence to suggest otherwise. And neither do we, technically, because we see everything through her eyes. 
Yeah, I I said that it's just kind of a weird conversation that they're having because it's it's so odd. There's no there's no setup for it or reason to suggest either of them would think that way, and they barely even like established the reality of the situation between them. And now they're talking about who cares for each other more. And I'm just like, what yeah, <laughs> it's like Smyer didn't want to straight up like have them fall for each other. But then, like, they fall really, really fast for each other later because they talk about being in love. Yeah. So so they couldn't just be like, hey, I really like you, and then have it progress from there. It had to be like, all of a sudden, I really intensely care for you. And it's like, well, I care for you this more. This isn't romance. Like, you want to see them building up over time. And, and like... You, like it's part of the romance is the ride to the to the final point not just being there yeah and it's hard because it's it's every time they have a cute moment she then describes looking over at edward and him having a pained expression on his face because everything they do together makes him sad because he's afraid of hurting her or ruining her life. And it's like, this is the worst romance I've ever read because he spends the entire time talking about how terrible he is for her. That's not like, it's I get bad. it. It's I get that book. I could be okay with it if it was in the beginning. If it was like, listen, I'm dangerous. I'm going to hurt you. And if they overcame that hurdle, <laughs> if this book started on chapter six. Yeah. And if they overcame that hurdle and later it was like, she knows that he's dangerous, so she's, but she's like putting that aside, but then he has to move past it. Like he can't just keep dwelling on the fact that he's dangerous and being sad. Like they get to that in the second book he as can, well. He can, but it's annoying and it's painful annoying. to read. It's like, just enjoy yourself. There's this part in the movie where I told you, I think in the first episode where uh, Rob puts on sunglasses and he's like, if I'm going to hell, I'm going to have fun doing it. And he throws his arm around Bella and they walk in and he looks smug and happy as fuck. And I'm like, that's what Edward needs to be. He needs to just be like, you know what? If this is going to be dangerous, if this is going to be hard, I'm going to enjoy it anyway. But he doesn't. He's just annoying about it. <laughs> so they later in the conversation decide to... Well, Bella gets down on herself. And Edward's like, stop. You don't see yourself right. So I'm so clumsy I'm disabled. <laughs> <laughs> I did laugh at that. I was like... I, I'm so clumsy I'm borderline disabled. Oh, oh. my goodness. <laughs> I think she's more timid than she is clumsy. Does that make sense? Because, like, yeah. clumsy people don't spend their entire life trying not to be clumsy. You know what I mean? They're just, like, so... Yeah. Dis like, they don't understand. It's like she's more afraid of falling over than she is more prone to falling over. And That's that makes really her deep. fall over more. Maybe we should, we should like, write a book about that. No. <laughs> so then they decide that they're not going to go to Seattle and they're going to go somewhere else. He doesn't say where... Um, and then he talks about hunting animals and is aghast that Bella would want to see him do it. And honestly, me too. Yeah, that's not something I particularly want. Like, uh, just consider taking that in normal person terms. That's like saying, can I come and watch you chew food? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> like I, was, I, I was reading that and she was like, is that something I would get to see? And I was like... Excuse me? Why do you want to see it? He's ripping apart a bear. 
I'm so con- like that confused me. That when he was like, absolutely not. I was like, the only time I have ever been okay <laughs> with Edward Cullen being a bitch when he was just like, oh no. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> no, yeah, that totally made sense. Like I, I, <laughs> Bella, you're a freak. Why would you want to do that? Uh, and, and he's he tells her that she's not ordinary and I'm like but she is the only reason she's not ordinary is because she's like brain she's a freak like she's like literally just a weird like but she's not like it I would never describe what is going on with her as making her extraordinary she's no. just a a psychopath like that's there's and there's a difference she's not like she's not like extraordinary as in she's like different and unique she's just a weird version of a normal person she's just crazy and i don't like to use that word very lightly she's insane i i'm just yeah no you smire you can't just have the characters keep telling us that she's special you have to like make her, and you haven't. You haven't. You just made her weird. You can't have Edward just call her special any more than you can have Arya just call Sansa smart. You gotta show us. <laughs> you gotta show us. We know Sansa is smart. Just make her do smart shit, and then we'll believe you when you say that she's smart. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. So We've... that is. <laughs> That is the end. That is the end. We did it. We made it through all five chapters. This is progress. I know. We actually, I'm, like. I'm proud of us. I am proud. I'm also proud of us. We shortened we it down it. from two parts for five chapters to one part. Maybe next, next time part... we can spend five minutes. <laughs> the next episode is just us being like, shit's fucked. <laughs> next episode is just. Bella's thirsty. Bella's thirsty. Oh my god. That is all the next episode is. Is me being like, alright, and this part, Bella really wants to fuck Edward. And in this part... Oh look. She really wants she to fuck Edward. She still wants to fuck Edward. And then later, in this part, Bella really wants to fuck Alice. So with that to look forward to, our <laughs> dear, dear listeners, I hope you'll join us next time. Stop. <laughs> when we continue to read Twilight in 2020. Oh my gosh. Well, I have been Sarah. I have been M, but I have been called by many names. <laughs> and, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.